Howdy sluts and welcome to another episode of QBT, a podcast where two queer babes talk about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. I just had a salad and I am a licensed social worker and therapist practicing in Austin, Texas, Maddie Germs. And I'm the birthday boy, Shawnee, a former former New York City-based therapist turned media entertainment badass based in Portland, Oregon. And today, we are closing out our discussion on race, racism, and mental health with a reflection on what we've learned over these last few episodes. Uh, We're going to highlight a few gems that our amazing guests shared, so stick with us. Um, Let's get into it. And remember, we might might be be therapists. Oh. But we're not your therapist. That's that's <laughs> that's the correct way of saying it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> Welcome back to another week, Maddie, my dear. Happy early birthday. Oh, thank you. You know, so I, welcome. I pretty much just claim all of October as my birthday, so you can just say happy birthday. Okay, happy birthday. (laughs) Um, My birthday, I feel like, is at the end of October, so, you know, it's like a warm handoff. We do the baton, I'm, like, reaching back, you're running forward, you know. Yeah, you, like, you take us into actual spooky season and all of that good stuff, because I'm just here for the beginning of October, okay? Boo, bitch. Yes, exactly. And just like every year for the last three years... For my birthday, I've always been blessed. Well, recently I've been blessed with a Fenty show. Yes. Um, Fenty Volume 3 came out last weekend? Last weekend. Yeah. What'd you think about it? That's my sub slut. <laughs> okay. What did I think? Uh, well, I, I guess last weekend because of, okay, it's this weekend we're recording, but like as of Wednesday, like, got it. I'm, I'm catching up now. I was like, wait, was it out a whole weekend? The timeline. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was like worried about. I was like, did I really miss this for an entire week? Um, okay. I'll talk about what I loved about it first. What mm-hmm. I loved about it. Um, still loving the visual aspect of like visible diversity. And it does not feel forced to me. Mm-hmm. It feels like, it feels like people who would wear the things that are being worn. It feels like, I don't know. It just, it's super cool. I loved the amount of choreography that was going on this round. Like, um, e- even if it was light at times, it still was so choreographed in terms of the music and like yeah. going up and down steps, even just the height and like the way the shot was going to go, the beautiful drone shots. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I loved the live singing aspect. Like when, um, uh, Jasmine Sullivan was singing <sighs> And, like, then it was stuff going around her. I loved that. I loved the whole, like, just kind of dude segment. It did not feel super, like... That was my favorite part. Okay. Well, you know. Yes. I had a moment. (laughs) There's that one boy in there with, like... I mean, of course, I don't mean to be, like, did you see that one white boy? But... That tattooed white boy with the green hair. Oh no, he was gorgeous. So fine. <laughs> Who is that? Who I don't is know. That he was but also I only need to not for like, find out. <laughs> I know he was literally only in it for like thirty-seven seconds at a time, and I just like I was fully into it. I mean, got Mick, incredible looking. Simone, incredible. Um, Laomi coming in and La- getting oh a whole... my god, I gagged. I literally stood up and almost threw my shoe with the TV. Yeah, it was. <laughs> There was so much of that that was cool. I love the ending up on the rooftop, like Lindsay Lohan rumors video. Oh like, my I god, <laughs> loved all of that. Like I like it when Rihanna does like a sort of like long hair, kind of like lazy, sexy thing. Yeah. She's just like she's just like tussles her hair. It's just like oh, I haven't just... seen long hair Rihanna in a while. I feel like I know it's cool. Um, there was I don't know what what did you like about it? What did you like? About I it? mean, it yeah. Let's talk about what I liked. Actually, no. Let's frame this this way. <laughs> this is my least favorite of the three okay. um, overall. Just, yeah. Yeah. But it had its moments. I love the venue that they chose. Like, I didn't know that was in LA. It was the, It's the Westin. In oh, I didn't know what Bonaventure. that was. Either. Bonaventure. Yeah, that's how you I say thought it. it was, um, I thought it was Vegas, but I think it was supposed to look like Vegas. Oh, maybe. But no, it's definitely LA. I like the... This sort of, everything was red. Like, I felt like red was, like, the color scheme that was the theme. Like, make it red. Reds, um, purples. Yeah. Yeah. I love a do-rag moment anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, the number of do-rags present 
Infinity Volume 3 is unprecedented. I've never seen that many directs yeah. on television at once. And I mean, hands down. Oh, you know what it was? It was the it was the Busta Rhymes, like whatever, four Busta Rhymes songs. And then yeah. that that male, that men moment happened, like in the middle of it. I think yeah. Erica Badu led us into Loved her little moment as well. Ugh. I mean, Rihanna does a really good job of getting the right cameos. And mm-hmm. even when I see their names come up on the screen and I think to myself, yeah. really, these people? Uh-huh. But then when I see them, I'm like, oh, shit, they look gorgeous. Everybody looked great except um, Gigi Hadid. She looked a mess. That wig was not cute. Gigi didn't look great. And also Vanessa Hudgens with that fucking braid. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her, her, that came out, and then Madonna's party where she's in those fucking braids too, which Simone were both in. Is Simone signing off on this? We need to talk to Simone. We need to talk to Simone. But also, and- I just, there's one thing to maybe have Vanessa Hudgens walking in a line and she has braids, but to give her this like elevator moment, and it's just like, it was so cringe. It was, it was so very cringe. No, and I was like, like, um, this is a little like blackfishing right now. Like, it's absolutely, so- absolutely. Girl, Let's this is not the you- color of your, yeah. Is that the color of your skin? <laughs> like, I think she's, like, white and Filipina or something like that. But that just does not okay. make... That color. <laughs> right. Right. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just naming... I, I What I'm saying is that I Googled if she was white afterwards. That's what I said. <laughs> um, That's I, a problem, by the way. Like, I, I agree. I agree with you. I agree. I just, I just was like, I don't know how to feel about this. It I feels wrong. Feel. But, um, no, uh, I also... I don't fucking understand why Nas was there like oh my God, right. especially after the last that those allegations are not like that old like i feel like all of that came out at the beginning of covid like Khalees, who like pharrell you owe her money but okay. also like his other wife i forgot who she was but um no offense to her but both two people coming out and Khalees doesn't have any I don't know why I'm sitting here arguing the validity of it, but like she wants to farm. She doesn't want to be famous. She, she doesn't care. But like she wants to be a farmer. Why would she say any of that stuff if it weren't true? And I just to give him not even like it's maybe one thing to give him like a here walk on this runway with other men. He got like a performance. Yeah, it was weird. It was in a super full weird. leather outfit. I was like, I know you. No, know it was. Those. Ooh, Ricky Martin. I really liked Ricky Martin's part. Oh, you know. I was okay with Ricky Martin's part. I didn't think I, I was going to like it, but like I, oh, actually I re- just remembered that I liked it to a point. He was swirling his robe a little yes, like too. Mm-hmm. And then there was this one shot where it pans to like someone else who's like an actual model. And she does this like swish swish of the robe. And it was kind of like, no, you're supposed to do it like do it this. Like this. <laughs> like- <laughs> I literally was watching like, I thought, Ricky Martin, why do you keep moving this robe? And then yeah. I was like, oh, because it's so long that you're going to step on it. Like, you're right. stepping on it. You have to keep it in motion or you're going to, like, trip over yourself. And I liked the idea of, like, it unfurling to... Because it looked like this kind of, like, you know, puffer kind of thing. And then he un- unwound it or whatever. Like, <laughs> there's aspects that I liked about it. I mean, in a lot of ways, this felt like the most expensive one. Yes. And, and it also... The production looked the most expensive. I feel like the clothes looked the cheapest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that they, which I mean, that's the other thing. I I mean, we might have slightly differing opinions about this, but like Rihanna is a billionaire and um, that is not to me inherently a good thing. And I feel like this fashion show was really a cementing of like, why not in that? Like she's still making fast, unethical fashion that uses like, most likely child or exploitative labor. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, it, I would be happy for her having that status if she was doing something different, which of course there's something to say of like, if she, if these white men can't do it, why can't she? Okay, sure. And they shouldn't do it either. <laughs> like, I'm not like happy that Rihanna's also doing no, it. You know? nobody, like, nobody should be, <laughs> I'm not going to do this on this podcast. Nobody. <laughs> Should be investing in child labor. I think we can all agree on that. Right. <laughs> just going to leave it there. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that uh, I felt like, you know, my problems with Fenty Volume 2 were that they ended in a worker's warehouse on like yeah. a fucking conveyor belt. And it's like, ma'am, this is sold at Amazon. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, this is like, read the factory. <laughs> yeah, read the factory. What are you doing? And it was also the part where there was the most POC was like, 
oh it, you like move into the factory and it's like just black people on the line it's like oh there's like oh. it, but i think to me what this represents is like it's where when you have just visibility when you have just fat people when you have just queer people when you have black people when you have them visible that does not inherently make it good you know what I mean? Like, oh my god, no. Does it does it make it something I want to watch? Yeah, I mean, I've tuned in every time. <laughs> you okay, and, yeah. And 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 at the end of the day, I'm not like I don't feel like the world is necessarily better. I don't think that things are changing in a way that make just the representation enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um. But and it's gonna there's some difficult. cunt moments, and I appreciate a cunt moment. So. And- and you know, it's almost like that's what I knew was coming out of this. These, yeah, the cunt moments. And I'm like, I don't need this. Like, there's going to be, like, Rihanna is not going to one up herself after these first two. I just felt yeah. it. And like, that's what it was. And I'm like, if there is a Fenty volume four, like, she has, that first show was so, like, I'll say groundbreaking. Like, it was innovative. It was, it was innovative. And to continue innovating like every year with that fa- with that fashion line, um, it's difficult. So I think that I she know. needs to pivot back to the not lingerie line. I think she needs to pivot back to like Fenty, whether it's sunglasses, whether it's the boots that I can't remember who it was, but there was someone wearing these like green knee high boots. Like uh, I don't remember who it was, but it was. Oh, it, yes. I think it might have been Bia. It might have been Bia. It was Bia. Yeah. Um, uh, that was gorgeous. And I, I feel like if you throw in these other things, because like have one segment of lingerie, have one choreographed number of lingerie, and then give me something else too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I liked about the last one was that there was some behind the scenes because we saw the first one. We were like, how did this right. happen? How did yeah. this happen? The where volume two goes mm, is when <laughs> she's like, by the way, I like, I'm an artist because I like touch fabric. And it's like, Rihanna, like, that's just how you make clothes. But okay, <laughs> like, good for you. I'm glad that you're doing it, et cetera, et it's cetera. It's art when I walk into the store yes. and get to pick up the dress. And she's I'm like, like, I can't describe what? it. I just feel it. It's like, yeah, okay. I don't sure. need nine minutes of this, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But I do... Especially with it being the shortest one, it was only 40 minutes. Right, because they didn't have all that. Those they didn't have interludes. anything. <laughs> and I, it's like, I just, I wish I would have, maybe they'll release, and I wish they would release, like, a, a making of that's a separate thing that's another 30 minutes. And I'll probably mm. love that more than the actual thing that I watch. Like, yeah, the the constant dancing and the and the way that every single person was emoting, if they were on screen they were emoting especially the non-celebrity people like the the groups of men that were choreographing in various parts and it was like every single person was giving a choreographed move from front to back and filling the whole screen like there was lots that was so 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 fucking cool about it i loved the the most underwhelmed i'm always here for the black boy joy i was like they were having fun like you could tell they were just having fun yes and being able to be themselves like in this space which is always a beautiful a beautiful thing to say um yeah not my favorite one volume two i think is still hands down my favorite also always here for normani being a staple she's been there all three. And she did incredible. Too. She did incredible. That was really good. Oh, yeah. So good. And it and did that live? We can sh- another 45 minutes do, to talk about that. She'll do whatever she can to avoid a head mic. Okay. <laughs> like, she will literally like do splits and a thing to avoid even having someone else hold the mic in front of her while she's she being held up by all fours. Like, like, I don't know. It's funny. Uh, there was something I was going to say though about this that it doesn't matter. Anyway, we can move on. <laughs> Sorry. Let's... I don't know why I said that. <laughs> because this is not a Finty podcast. Okay. 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 Take it away. Speaking of precious, <laughs> we <laughs> based on the apple push by sapphire. Yeah, I <laughs> listeners, you weren't there over the break. We had a whole discussion about precious, um, not related to race and racism, but also very much so related to race and racism. 
Um, listen, we're going to do some work now and talk a little bit about what we've learned over these last few weeks, um, some highlights and just, I don't know, some takeaways. What's like the high level? What are some things that we that we saw coming out of each one of those interviews with our guests? Um, I think from just off jump from both my life and experience dealing with race and racism, but also with what every guest shared, um, I think it's fair to say, everybody, race and racism permeates just about every element of our lives, um, whether we're attuned to it or not. I think that a lot of times tends to be the differentiator, not whether or not racism exists. Um, so whether it be, you know, what David Greenfield, uh, Greenfield, yes, <laughs> uh, discussed uh, about, you know, the land that Indigenous people once owned um, and the stories that that are born from that land, um, who owns those stories and who owns that land, like in present day. Um, whether it's, you know, your homegirl that might have microaggressed you or, um, you know, the impact that racism might have on those close to you and how that affects you, um, which I think Nooper talked about a little bit. We we just see that racism touches a lot of things. Uh, and I want to get into each one of those, but something we didn't get to talk about, Maddie, was uh, racism, race, and relationships and dating. Like, I think that's... I mean, I it's a big thing for me. I feel like, especially with the advent of apps such as Grinder, which I think Grinder once had a, a like a way to sort by like ethnicity or race. Or okay, and they got rid of it, thank God. But um, it's a it's a thing. Like it's a big enough deal that apps like that won't allow you to search uh, or set preferences based on like race and racism. So. A question I wanted to ask a few episodes back that we never got to was, I mean, where's the line, right? Like, where's the line between I have, like, a preference for dating this kind of person or I'm, like, fetishizing dating this kind of person and I'm choosing to not date this person because of just full-blown racism and discrimination? Um, Because I feel like preference can turn into fetish. It can turn into fetish. That's going to be hard to say. Into a fetish. (laughs) Preference can turn into a fetish very easily, I think. Um, And preference can also turn into racism very easily. And I don't think I even have the answer. I want to just preface this to listeners. Like, we are not the end-all, be-all on this subject. Um, I think just from, like, experience, we can talk. Um, But just want to, like, put that disclaimer out there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I part of me is like, I don't want to be the first one to talk. And I also know you might want to take a breath. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I've I'm been like, talking today. Okay. No, I love it. I, I just, and I didn't mean, I didn't even mean that shady. I just meant like, I want to give you a moment to like collect yourself. But, um, okay. So when I'm thinking about this question of like, what is the quote difference between racism and preference? I think f- let's maybe talk about fetish, fetishization, uh, mm. making something a race, a fetish. Second, because I feel like the first is a little bit dicier and more gray, or at least is perceived more gray. Uh Um, I don't know if it is, but I think for me, it's about the questions that you ask after you say the thing that you're trying to say, right? So when someone's like, I only date white guys, it's like, why? When someone's like, and if there's, you know, uh, I don't know what those answers are personally for folks, but like, Oftentimes, the more times you ask why, the more you get to the realization that it's just racism, Mm, right? And mm -hmm. I think um, people are like, well, I like a certain type of body or I like a certain type of uh, like um, attitude or like all these coded, veiled racism, racist things. Because at the end of the day, if you are deciding not to date someone based on race, that is racism there's there's lots of things about a person besides their race and if you have written off an entire group of people from dating them because you're that is not your preference you're making assumptions about everyone in that racial category being unable to ever meet your quote preferences or standards and whatever those standards or preferences are are racist obviously i'm thinking about white people who i've heard tell me only date other white people or chatting on grinder with folks that are like a lot of times people think that they are being um, that they're dismissing me or something in a certain way. I feel like sometimes sometimes stupid white people don't know if I'm white or not. And like then we'll ask and then we'll like treat me like shit. And then when I'm like, I'm white, they're like, 
oh, well, and I'm like, well, now I'm not interested. <laughs> like, what? Like, what do they think you are? I mean, okay, I, this is not supposed to be, uh, I, I get like, just like ambiguous race. Like, it's not like I'm thought okay. to be something. It's just like, I can see that. It's just like people just not thinking I'm white. And then I'm like, mm, wah, wah. but um, <laughs> you're like, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another, that was another okay, that was, question. That was a, yeah. <laughs> We don't um, get another road again. But anyway, that to me, off. that to me is the thing is like, I don't think that a preference can be racially based, especially coming from a white lens. I think mm-hmm. it gets a little bit more complicated when you're thinking about folks of color only dating folks within their race. I think right. it gets more complicated there. Maybe there's some in quotes prejudice, but I don't think that that's the same as racism for the other reasons that we've discussed in previous episodes. I I think I agree with you on all counts. Um, <clears throat> specifically talking about preference. I mean, it's not to make this a grinder just conversation, but it's like the same thing. It's like you see. It's how we fuck. Yeah. I mean, it's like saying white plus plus. And I mean that the same thing can be said for um body type as well, right? Like there's plenty of people out there that are like I only want to date somebody that is like this size and this shape. I mean, I only want to date guys that are taller than me. But not the same thing as racism. Um I don't think so, yeah. No. Um Yeah, but that's the I, problem is people equate it to the same thing. Like Right. You know, only wanting to date quote fit people is sizest, and like that mm-hmm. that sucks. Only wanting to date us people of a certain age. I mean, I'm a little bit like, I'm not gonna go young, <laughs> like, but that's right. just because like, you know, statutory, and also your brain's not fully formed. You know, like that's also not... yeah, like what am I doing with myself? <laughs> right, but I mean, like that's ageism too, and but the difference I think between the, those preferences and racial preferences is like this you're making so many assumptions about a category that has so much variety within it. And it's, and it's an active choice to not get to know that, uh, that like that population, that group of people, right. Cause it's dating, like dating in and of itself means that like you're getting to know a person. So in a way it almost feels like none of that should matter because you're getting to know a person for a person. Um, but if you're closing yourself off from like dating that, that group of people, then yeah, you're showing racism, but you're also like what happens with any sort of racism, you're closing yourself off from like learning from like understanding anybody else, which then only further perpetuates your desire, your want to date people of your own race. Um, and that can be, I mean, I agree with you. It's not, I don't think it's racism if a black person is like only want to date black people. I think there's. There's just Talking shared experience. Right. It's a, it's usually a trauma response. There's a shared heritage and history there that Lord knows, like it is a lot easier for me to date a black person than to, than this to date a white person. And the amount of explaining that has to be done. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I feel like I've experienced a lot of folks say that after they've experienced a shit ton of fucking racism from white people, they tried to, it's like they tried and are like over it, <laughs> you know, like at this point in my life, I am making child. the decision to not. Yeah. I'm getting there. Um, I unleashed that for you. Me. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody does. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about fetishes. So, definition of fetish. I don't think that I even 100% have ever known it. <laughs> but, I mean, for, again, from my own personal experience, from what I from what I have experienced dating and feeling like somebody has seen my the skin of the skin of my color, the color of my skin, as as like a uh, as like a turn on. Um, you know, there's there's that fine line again between you are respecting and like um, celebrating like that I am black and that like the color of my skin is brown, um, and then it turning into like a very sexual like I am like only into you because of the color of your skin. But or, if that wasn't there, I don't think that this would work out, you know? Right. Or I think something that comes into play too. Well, I mean, if we're thinking about fetish, my understanding is like that, which is generally considered taboo, taboo or outside of like typical 
sexual experiences and is like a preferred way to engage with sex. It's like my best sex involves X. Mm-hmm. And then it is often sought out. It's often in the best ways negotiated and safely communicated and consented to. And I think that consent thing is the biggest piece. Fetishization is not inherently the worst thing in the world, as long as the person being fetishized is cool with it. Like there's plenty of people that are in some ways, okay with hooking up with dudes who are hooking up with them because they're black or like what have you. And like that being a turn on for them that they're turning other people on. Mm -hmm. It's not cool when that person is holding the fetish not fully seeing the other person and the other person doesn't know that they're not being fully seen because they're only being seen by the color of their skin, which is racism. Right. And I think there's another thing within white people too, engaging with, I mean, I feel like especially darker skinned black folks around like wanting to fuck them, but not date them. And like, that is like so fucked up, but also part of the fetishization. It's like, I want, I want the sex. I want the big dick. I want the all these like fucking terrible things that people say. Right. But I'm I don't want the responsibility of learning. Like you're saying, I don't want the responsibility of bettering myself. I just want the ass. And it's like that then is the person of color, I think, choice to on whether or not to engage with that. And I think people make compromising or like sexual choices all the time that maybe they don't want to make all the time. Sometimes you make one time sexual choice and that's a sexual choice for that time. Yeah. Um, but like it gets really dicey when you're in a relationship with someone and you're like, wait a minute, this entire time you have not seen me for who I am. You, it's just been the black thing. That's it. It's just been the Mexican thing. It's just been X, Y, or Z. Like, yeah, you have no idea what my thoughts or dreams or aspirations are. That's when that kind of is like a revealed fetishization. That's sometimes good or bad. Actually, no, it's not good. Bad. The white person doesn't know they're doing it. And then that is a heartbreaking experience, but it's still mega fucked up. It's like, you're not seeing me. You're not seeing me as a person. And you are truly, I mean, that is what, that is what I look at a fetish as. Like, it it has completely moved beyond, like, you're not humanizing a person anymore. They are simply a sexual object uh, to be used, to to be a commodity for you. Um, and I mean, I've been there. It's not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good even when sort of like, I think I can like be okay with this one time. It's like, nope, I immediately regret it after the fact. Um, yeah, I mean, you're asking me, but like, what are your experiences with preference and fetish? And like, maybe if you don't want to lay out your shit, but I mean, like, mm-hmm. what you've people? learned so about these things. So there was, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, we do not have to believe, like, let's call some racists out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to those people, but I could. I like holding that. You're power. thinking about it so hard. I, <laughs> <laughs> if it's you and you're listening, you should be scared. <laughs> I have power. Um, No, I think what I keep coming back to is sort of, um, it's interesting. Like when I've dated white guys, um, it's, you know what it is? I never realized it until like, like sometime later, like months later that like, Mm. wait, who are all your exes? Or like, who are all the people you used to date? And I'm like, they were all black. Or I'm like, they were all some kind of brown, but you have never dated somebody of your own race, like yeah. at all. Or like the last time you did it was in like, like middle school. It's like and I don't how know. long were those relationships? That's another key point. Right, right. Um, and that's been a really that's been sort of a discerning factor for me. Like, if you got a good mix going on, then like I'm probably not like stressed or tripping. Then I just then I only have to worry about the normal kind of racism where I'm like, all right, let's just like. Make sure you're not doing anything else ridiculous. But when yeah. it's like one specific type of person and the connection is the color of their skin, that's when it's like, what's really going on here? Yeah, like, it's sus as fuck. It's real sus. Like, I, I've dated guys that have only dated black guys. I've dated guys that have only dated black guys and um, Latino guys. Okay. And I've always found that interesting, right? Yeah. Like, because it's even like, Oh, you don't even venture to the other minorities? Like, you're not touching Asian? You're not touching, like, anything? Okay, cool. Which I feel like is the most, like, 
there's something obviously about the black man that is i'm sure that you know this obviously about like you know uh being discriminated against especially in dating but there is a lot of like sexual interest Mm-hmm. It's fucked up sexual interest, but it's sexual interest. I feel like Asian men, especially in the gay community, experience the most ostracization of like not being sexualized or are sexualized in a way that is not, they're not in ownership of that sexualization, yeah. right? And I'm not going to try and like speak for folks, but I think that like there's a typical, you know, when we're talking about the white gays, we say shit like, like no fats, no femmes, no Asians, right? Like that is a thing that is true that has been expressed it was a phrase popular phrase on grinder right so like what is it even to be move beyond fetishization and be put in this category of non-sexual when you are a sexual being you know like yeah um it's funny i'm thinking of um just so random i think it's called is it called bwam wham something it's like black women asian men it's like the most uncommon like uh, combination of like dating, which I've always found interesting. Not necessarily related to this when it comes to racism, but well, yeah, maybe it is. But like just the, the interconnectedness and intersectionality of like race and gender and all these things, <clears throat> I've always found that combination interesting because until it was brought to my attention, I was like, yeah, I guess I don't see a lot of black women and Asian men. Hmm. Which I'm, I haven't, I literally haven't thought about that before. I feel like I'm learning something. Um, yeah. Something I'm curious about, maybe to move away from this topic of what is or is not these things. Mm-hmm. Um, what about maybe you've discerned that someone is not doing the F word and is worthy of maybe dating. And you're in a space now where like racialized things happen in the relationship. And how does that how do you navigate that? Or how have you navigated that if you have? Mm. Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can give an example if you want to think. Give an example. Yeah, let me think a little okay, bit. Okay, so most recently, this is like just me being transparent about my fucked up shit as a white person. Like, I think it's, and I don't know. It's always, I always get so self-conscious when those words exit my lips because I'm not trying to say it as a positive thing. I hold shame around it. But I also think it's important if this is a podcast about different experiences and one of those experiences being white experiences, I think it's important to like talk about my fucked up shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, but um, you get, you get 10 seconds to talk about it. Okay. No. <laughs> God, literally impossible, but I will do my best. Um, there was just an experience that my partner and I had that uh, a white person around us said a racial slur toward like Latina people. Mm. They were using it in not towards my partner, but were saying it in their presence. And it was like, it was like, um, oh, I can't believe someone said this or something like that. Right. It was like kind of in disbelief and, and trying to hold it like this is bad, but then they said it. And then my partner was like, don't say that. And they were like, don't say this. Like again, like two. And I know, I know, I know, I know. So we all kind of do the big eye thing. And I just, I, I feel, the big eye thing. I feel like I, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I saw Shawnee do the big eye thing. That puts me in this position that is different than my partner's position, which is like, do I jump across the table and yell? Do I make a scene? Do I, what do I do in this moment? Do I trust my partner to make decisions for, themselves on how he wants to handle this fucked up moment. Um, do I, I don't know. There's just like options, like nine options in my head of like how to be supportive for my partner. And then we had to have conversations later about how that my partner didn't feel supported in that moment. And I like, we had to have, I'm not going to like go into all the intimacies of my relationship, but I'm just naming that. Like, even if I held, Oh, we are both having this, similar internal reaction of what the fuck my response to that what the fuck was not a response that my partner was hoping for as a a supportive partner and we had to have a conversation and it took like a week later for my partner to be like babe you're a white person and i need you to hear that this is my experience that week that it happened and then the week after it happened and those conversations following up and like that was embarrassing for me because i'm 
someone who has conversations like this with you. I, I, if this is not a foreign thing to me in a lot of ways, and it's still not my experience. And I'm offering this as a potential example of like the ways in which racialization shows up in relationships, how to engage in that lovingly. And when is it like a deal breaker? Yeah, I, that is, um, way that sucks that that happened and that Spencer was dealing with that. Um, I've definitely had things like that happen. Um, it's interesting because I think the older I get, like there was a there was a time when a I used to not even like feel comfortable or didn't feel comfortable, didn't feel like I had the authority to sort of take up space and even like have a discussion with anybody about it. Um, and then I would say that like I began entering a place where then I maybe wasn't speaking up for myself in the moment, but was like doing a lot of education and like teaching the person I was dating or that I was with, like why this wasn't okay. Just like all of the cultural, historical X, Y, Z, everything you can think of, (laughs) like literally just taking them through like race 101, Um, which then also just like always had me feeling icky. And honestly, this didn't happen. This happened not too long ago. Um, And I, if anything, it shows growth. I was just like, you know what? It's not my place to teach this white man like anything like that is a grown ass white man. Like if he does not know that, like if he doesn't know like how race factors into this, if he doesn't understand like uh, that racism is something that like I, it's not a topic I can just turn off like at any point in time. Like it is always top of mind for me. Um, A, that just shows a lack of respect for me. It shows that you're not like actually, you don't actually give a fuck about me like as a person. Um, and B, it just shows like a lack of respect for yourself. Like, you don't, you're not trying to continue your education. Like you're not trying to like better yourself. I could sit here all day. Oh my God. <laughs> I just thought of, um, his name is Heart, Heart Throbbert, I think, uh, on TikTok and on Instagram. And he recently did like, when gay guys, when white gay guys try to use like being gay and then some other like really random thing is like intersectionality. Um, <laughs> and it was just silly. Like, like being oh, gay you're... and liking cats or something. Yeah. And like being gay and like both of my parents are like not together or something like that. Like just <laughs> okay. silly shit um, that clearly only applies to white. Being gay white and kids. having a car payment. Yeah, like silly things. <laughs> Anyways, it just reminds me, this whole thing reminds me of that because it's the same thing in a really weird, twisted way. It's like, I've, I've dated like so many white gay guys that I'm like, okay, you are still a white man though. Like, yeah. and especially if you're a cisgender white man. Like the gay yeah. thing I get, I'm not going to like trivialize that and say that like you didn't like have to go through anything. But like- and we talking apples to apples and like tit for tat, honey, like <laughs> put your tits away, put your tits away. <laughs> um, but also yeah. like, I say this to say that I am somebody who could very easily, this is what I was getting at. I could very easily like lean back on the crutch of, well, I'm black. Like I shouldn't have to like learn about any other race or give a fuck about you know anything else like i have enough trauma blah 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 blah. that'd be easy and i think that a lot of white gay guys do that like they're like oh well, i'm gay so like i don't have to like go through that course or deal with that i understand like what discrimination is and it's like no you don't just because like you are gay Again, I'm not going to trivialize it. I'm not going to like discount it, but I am going to say like that doesn't make you like an expert on racism or on prejudice or on discrimination or anything. Um, I mean, you can literally have the same experience, like, and I mean, like, like definitively the same experience. Like, if someone were to, or objectively, like, if someone were to describe the experience, it would be the same for both of you, Mm -hmm. and then walk away from that thing feeling completely different things. And that just has to do with history and personhood and stuff. And I I think uh, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. I think that there's like this limit and line between like dating across race is going to encounter hiccup and education and listening and care and humility and all of that stuff. 
as with a lot of stuff that comes with dating in general. It's like, you're that's a whole ass other person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so like, there's so much that comes with not holding, um, you have to practice intellectual and personal humility to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, even for me, I'm not going to date someone that I need to convince racism is real. You know what I mean? Like that is like, Mm -hmm. that's like where the sort of is like, are you, are we talking nuance and support here? Or are we talking about like, you don't believe me? Like those are different things, Exactly. you know? It's the same thing as like, and even if you take it outside of uh, relationships and like romantic relationships and, and dating, it's, same thing with a friendship. Like, y'all know that I talk about being Black all the time. Like, I talk about it on this podcast, but, like, y'all, I bring it up quite often, like, in real life, too. Um, because, again, that is not something I get to turn off. So if I don't get to turn it off, you don't either. And, like, <laughs> if you have an issue with that, for me, I'm like, that just says a lot more about you. Like, if you can't swallow that, if you can't bear to be around it, then, like, then don't. You know? Like, I mean you're the one losing out there. But I don't know. I just, I I come back to the fact that I see everything through the lens of race. And if you're going to be connected to me in any way, shape or form, then like, you're going to have to be okay with that because that is, that is what my experience is. Um, Well, my question, I think, oh, no, finish your thoughts. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, and that just, that connects to your initial question in the sense that, as I've gotten older and I run into these situations where stuff like that happens, for me, it just, it always comes down to, do you respect me as a person? And are you, is your intention, is what you said, is what you did coming from a place of either wanting to gain understanding and alignment or respecting the fact that, um, this is something that I deal with that you might not ever like truly be able to like grasp, but that like, you're still going to keep fucking trying, like no matter what, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference between that and not trying or like half-assing it or saying like, um, I don't know, like keywords that like sound nice. It's like, I don't need that. (laughs) I need you to like listen to my real ass experience without all the fluffy words attached to it. In fact, maybe not saying something would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you don't need to say something. And sometimes um, you do. <laughs> well, something that I'm thinking about kind of, you know, not only are we talking about this, but also looking back on our series this month and um, we're, we're having this very specific conversation about racism in dating, but I'm also, and like fucking and all that shit. But I'm also wondering, like thinking back to your episode, sharing some of your experiences on race and mental health, how has the racism of dating affected your mental health? Or if you don't want to have that specific conversation, like, I guess I'm just trying to like bring it back to like how we're having it tied into this larger theme of like this theme this month is not race and dating, right? It's like race and racism, mental health. Mental health yeah. We're kind of talking a lot about how it shows up in our lives in all of these different ways, but if the reason that we were wanting to have this series specifically was because I think we talk about everything in some ways through a queer and race racialized mm-hmm. lens, what specifically is the racialized experience of mental health that is impacted by queer dating? Hmm. <clears throat> you know, it, um, if that's violent, we don't have to. We don't have to. Die. No, I'm it's sorry. fine. It's fine. No, no, it's fine. This is a, it's a it's a great question. I think I'm trying to answer it in a way that is uh, informative and helpful, and not uh, one of my typical therapy sessions. Um, I think that, like, for, I'll put it like this. I think that I went through a lot. Still, am dealing with. Um, a lot of healing when it just comes to like self-esteem, like um, just like how I look at myself and feel about myself. Um, like being black outside of love, dating relationships and all of that. Like, I feel like there's an extra sort of like, um, there's like extra work you already have to do a lot of times because you're looked at a certain way. And then when it comes to something like 
finding true love and like being in a relationship and like experiencing it, it also, I mean, it really fucking hurts. Like, it's like, I can't do anything about that. You know, like I can't do anything about the color of my skin. Um, You know, maybe I can be as fit as I want to be and like have this much money and do all these other things. But at the end of the day, this is the color of my skin. And if you not even have a problem with that, but just like, that's just not your preference. Um, and that's something that I've just experienced to be prevalent in the gay community. Like, I don't see, I mean, I see interracial dating and interracial relationships. I'm not gonna say they don't exist, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't see it as much as I feel like one sees it on television. (laughs) I see it on TV. I feel like way more than I see it in real life. Um, and I've experienced enough things in real life that have either been just blatant racism or, you know, more of that unspoken, subtle racism where I'm like, hmm, like, okay, you clearly just don't want to date like a black person, regardless of the connection I feel like we have, um, regardless of what connection we could have. And I don't know, I've had to, I've had to do a lot of work with just like not not internalizing that and like making it there's something wrong with me because of the color of my skin and flip it back around and be like there's something wrong with you because of like yes the color of your skin (laughs) so like i don't know it's it's or what you're doing with it yeah that feels like an overly simplistic like you know uh distillation of everything that was swirling in my head just now but i mean that's sort of what it is it's it's it impacts my self-esteem self-confidence it's definitely impacted those things it's impacted my um desire to date because it's just like especially here in portland oregon because everybody's white so it's just like do i even want to deal with this shit um no i don't so i'm just not gonna date um which then you know has a ripple effect on just like well now i'm just I, I feel like i'm alone all the time and like it's just me by myself all the fucking time um and then like what does that say and then how does that like blow up even more long story short it's one of the reasons why i can't fucking wait to get out of portland oregon because i'm just <laughs> like jesus fucking christ can i yeah. move to another city and just like get married <laughs> well i mean what i'm hearing from that is like not just an oversimplification i'm hearing like this some shit that this is like made me feel i've had to do some like sessions and work on reframing that hurt to like understand how that's not about me you know it is about me and it hurts me but it's not like about me right yeah and also instead of spending years mourning these stupid ass dudes i'm gonna fucking take myself somewhere i'm appreciated like those all maybe seem like simple sentences and also are like many sessions and reflection and times worth of learning. So like, I don't, I just don't want you to walk away feeling like that was something simple. That fe- That's a lot of work that you are offering there. Thank you. Yeah. I, you're right. Yeah, you are. And I don't think I share that enough just because like I said, I talk about race all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even feel like it. But it is also one of these unseen things, right? Like, see, we're about to go down a whole rabbit hole right now. And Allie gave us a 30-minute warning. Um, (laughs) You are just getting out of talking about this. But that's okay. But I I feel like like there's something, like, that comes with being in this fucked up space of like having to constantly gamble with every single white person, whether or not they're treating you for you or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like that has to be like a mental mind fuck and like a decision you have to make around like, do I want to fuck white people? Like, like why, <laughs> or why do I want to fuck white people? You know, like that. I like, I don't know. Or what do I do when white is the, like is the only thing around and the other options just aren't doing it either, you know? I feel like, okay, just... <laughs> I mean, we it's can not close... your fault that there's seven people in Portland, but what else Thank have we learned you. this there month? there we go, there you go. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to say, and yeah. I was going to say it, but let's move on to the other stuff as well. Um, <laughs> Same brain. But I mean, sort of connected to this, right? Like, I keep coming back um, so we can, you know, talk about some of the things that are that our guests brought up. I've been coming back to this, like... We talked about it with Dr. Veronica Johnson, um, 
just about how these, I don't know, these behaviors that have like manifested from like these protective behaviors that I have. Like I said, I'd like, I'm in a yeah. store with like my hands behind my back or like, I'm just doing things so that like nobody can even say that it was like me, the black guy. Um, maybe it's like not being the loud boisterous one in the room because I can't be the loud black guy. I can't be the aggressive loud black guy. Um, how much that disconnects me, like from my authentic self, where, mm-hmm. you know, there's this dual, there's this um, this dual sense of self that is constantly showing up, like in in every situation, and it's never one hundred percent. It's always like thirty percent Sean, seventy percent protective behaviors, you know, or thirty yeah. percent protective behavior, seventy percent Sean, but it's always there, and it's always related to race. And I keep coming back to that, and then just how that ties into a larger discussion around internalized like racism and mm. sexism, homophobia and all the other isms, right? Like it's just an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing that we all have to continue like working on. Mm-hmm. And I have to continue working on it myself. Like I have to continue having discussions with myself about what my opinion is on people that exhibit the behaviors that maybe aren't what I wouldn't consider like protective and why am I not allowing myself to do that? And then Mm -hmm. what is the sort of survival um, component of it all? So there's just, there's a lot that I've just been thinking about since that. Cause I don't think anybody has ever like painted it that way for me Mm -hmm. um, until a few weeks ago. So it's, it's definitely has sparked a bit of like, huh? Yeah. Like what would it mean for me to show up 100% and like, how do I how do I wrestle with that, but also not wanting to die? So yeah. I, it's a lot to 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 take in, but that's definitely something that stood out for me. That stood yeah. out for you. I mean, along those same lines, like with Nooper, you know, last week saying something similar of like, what can we leave behind? What does this mean to decolonize this? And how do I make sure that I'm in a therapeutic relationship? Or how do I, as a therapist, if you're a therapist listening, how do I conduct therapy that acknowledges the stuff that folks do to survive and where that is coming from and not pathologize it, but like offer it grace. I've been reading a lot recently and I'm about to give a very bastardized version of what I'm about to say, but I've been reading a lot recently about internal family systems theory um, or therapy. And there's other works that also deal with this, but around parts. And so like, as opposed to trying to think about these versions of ourselves that are in dichotomy or folks or like, oh, there's this one part of me that believes this, but then there's this other thing that says this. And like that type of internal battle that comes out. And I think when I'm hearing that from you is like, is this for my protection or is this because I've always done it? Is this because my parents did it? Is like, what is this? A, is this a racialized thing or is this just a Shawnee thing? Is that both? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and what I was going to say was that with these parts, there can be parts of ourselves that are stuck from when we were hurt. And that part doesn't know that we've grown up. Like that part doesn't know that we're safe now. That part doesn't know all this stuff and constantly trying to silence it and shove it away and forget about it and overcome it is just going to make that part want to show up more. And so I think it's like, there's some importance to sitting with some of those parts asking those parts what they have to teach us and what do they need to go the fuck away? (laughs) You know, like I think that there's some things like that just like, it's what we've said a lot on this podcast. Obviously we're going to be like, please go to therapy. And also there's lots of barriers to therapy that we've also talked a lot about, but one of those biggest things is time. Like Mm -hmm. it can take so much time and lots of data over a year or more to finally nail down the pattern of something to finally figure it out when that part shows up because week by week, you may not remember when the part showed up. You just know it happened. Right. Yeah. And like, um, what am I trying to say? We just had two people offer really beautiful things around what we can leave behind. And I just think I, I'm hearing you talk about it. Yes. In context of dating, but also just in general of like, Offer yourself some grace in the amount of time that it might take to leave some of those things behind. Because while we're leaving things behind, we're not leaving them behind as if they 
are bad. We just don't need them anymore. Yeah. We needed them for a moment. And yeah. I think offering ourselves grace as we figure out and thank those things that were helpful to us and also being like, I'm going to leave you here, little buddy. You're in a safe room now. We can talk later. Or if you'd like to magically grow up right now, you can do that too. You know, but yeah. as far as this behavior, we don't need it anymore. Um, I'm also thinking about our conversation with David too around finding connection outside of ourselves and finding connection with nature and finding that connection and fostering that connection as a way to heal those parts of us that are disconnected, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the through line that I that I saw with all three of those guests, were there three of them? I feel like in my head I'm, we're missing somebody, but maybe we were the guests. Um, that's what it was. That's what it was. So the through line for me that I also am coming to with each one of those guests, and I think we're sort of touching it on it, touching on it here indirectly, is just this is not racism is not a new thing. It is not a new thing for our generation. It's not a new thing for like us at this age. It has been happening for centuries. Like it, this goes back generationally, and it whether it's through um generational trauma whether it's through just like um you were saying these sort of survival tactics that um you know whether it be our grandparents our parents whoever like brought with them that they then want to instill in us for better or for worse it's the through line i have taken away from everybody is that racism impacted a generation like before we were even born and we are still sort of processing it individually and like um and like across this society across this like planet as a whole as a group um in our own like ways and that sounds very like you know big blanket statement like of course that's true but i mean it is right like that's what that's why racism is such a tough thing to tackle it's why it's such a tough thing to like quote unquote solve um, because it permeates so many things. It's it's touched so many generations in so many different forms and so many different ways that it's like, it can feel overwhelming in terms of like where to start, Um, which I think is something we talked about last season when it comes to doing anti-racism work and just like sometimes feeling like, oh, it can all just feel like a lot. Um, I also know like Dr. Uh, Dr. Johnson talked about that, like to be black and have to, and sometimes feel the pressure or need to like solve racism for your community. It's like, that's, that's a big undertaking and you're probably not going to do it because like, you're probably not going to solve racism because it's not for you to solve. It's a, it's a societal thing that we all have to be able to do. So I don't know. I kind of want to leave that nugget there. Um, because I also think it speaks to what you're saying. Like it's, it's all going to take time and you have to understand that there's a, there's a portion of it that has nothing to do with you. Like you can do all the work on yourself as you can and want to do. Racism will still show up and be very present, um, whether you're attuned to it or not, whether you're black or white or Asian or um, Latinx, Latino, Latina. So I think it's a good place to stop. That feels, that felt good. How do you feel? Grateful. No, I was going to say sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's take a break. <laughs> All right. It's time to close this bad girl out. Um, I was going to say bad boy, but fuck that. Bad so, girl, Riri. Bad girl, Riri. Uh, it's time to take our meds. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I have something. I guess I'm just sharing embarrassing things today. But... Um, <laughs> I have a really stupid fucking landlord. I hate him. And uh, I moved into a house that has like issues. One of those issues that this is the embarrassing thing that also I've been told by many people, I don't need to hold embarrassment around, but like, it's just hard. There were raccoons in the house for like too many weeks. Like inside the actual house. Like in the walls. Like, like all of the horrible things that you're imagining that that is what was happening. So we'd be watching TV and would just hear like skittering or in the middle of the night, I would just hear raccoons screaming. 
Um, Screaming. Screaming. Anyway, my meds this week are not that I had raccoons, but that they are gone. So they and they have and I've been wary to tell anyone because I was like, these bitches might come back. And I am so worried that as I say this, I'm going to beckon them back. But they've been gone for like a week. And, um, you know, praise, praise him. Blessed be. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that. um, Well, actually, no, that was a rat. Never mind. Might as well be the same thing as a raccoon. We have I have raccoons in my backyard. Um, Backyards are fine. But, you know, Blue, he. In the summertime, like at night, like in the summertime, we can't go like to the backyard. I can't just like let him in the backyard because they're like back there doing something and it's dark. And I'm like, I don't know. And you had your rapey shot, but I don't have money for the vet right now. Uh, But Um, I mean, like raccoons living in your backyard in the tree, like you might get some trash stolen or something. But in Texas, I think it is honestly because it's cooler inside. Mm -hmm. They will sneak into the walls and then they'll have their babies. And then what has to happen is you have, they have the critter control has to come out and spray basically male pheromones so that they think that there's a male raccoon that will eat the babies and then they all leave. But if they don't do that, then you have to trap them. And then you have to close up all of the areas of the house that they could have gotten in. So it's just like I'm a sorry. multi-week process. Let's back that up. Male raccoons eat baby raccoons. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I listened to oh. like half a person tell me this like they're not half a person i listen sorry i meant that like i half listened to them that's what i meant to say um anyway what are your meds that was almost so problematic (laughs) it it was it just was i'm sorry it just was this episode Um, is maddie's problematic (laughs) there's the title um my meds are (laughs) so i'm 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 um I'm officially starting my five-day birthday weekend. I had my last work meeting. It ended at four o'clock. I banged out some work, and I am turning my phone off and going to enjoy some me time for like five days straight plus, you know, a little a little uh, coast, Oregon coast getaway. So I'll report back next week, but I'm very, very, very excited to not work for five days. And this is the longest time I've taken off from this new job that I've had. I am so elated that you're taking that time. FaceTime me from the coast. I want to say hi to you and wish oh, you a happy absolutely. birthday. Yeah. Um, What's um, our homework? Yeah, because you host Thought I Forgot. It's homework. You know you're getting in at least one time every time we have a, a, new, a new subject or a new topic. Um, this one is going to be pretty spot on for what we've already been doing. Um, we've all learned a lot over these last few episodes. We could journal about it. We could work on our we could work on ourselves, but we're already doing that. We do a lot of journaling. I know that y'all are out there trying to create the best version of you, or the multiple great versions of you, because it doesn't have to be one. Um, but that doesn't mean that other people in your life are trying to do the same. So let's give them some encouragement, um, because anti-racism work is never done, especially if you're white. So <clears throat> have some tough conversations. Right. I don't give you this homework like often anymore. It used to be like every week. Now it's probably like every like three or four weeks, like once a month. Um, sometime over the next month, like figure it out. You got a racist friend. You know you do. So like <laughs> have the tough conversation. And if the tough conversation is that is a person who does not respect other human beings, and you come to the realization that you're just keeping that person around based off of something silly, like the amount of time you've known them, but there's no Killed actual them. quality there. Let it go. Like that's not benefiting oh. anybody. Uh, or you don't don't. We're not telling anybody to commit murder. Murder. Condoning that on this murder, podcast. Murder. Murder. And um, you can take Maddie to jail. So <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, but have the tough discussions. Have the tough conversations with people around race and racism. Um, and hey, if let's just say by chance you don't know anybody that's racist, um, still have tough conversations around race. Like me and my family, we talk about race pretty often, but there are members of my family that don't talk about race a lot. Like I could do that. That's easy. Not easy, but that's the point of it. Like, what's it like to have a discussion with that person in your family who you don't really know what their thoughts are on it? Or maybe they're always playing it safe. I don't know. But like... The goal here is that, like I said, racism has always been a tough subject for people to sort of tackle and talk about and deal with. It can feel icky and gross, um, but that's that's anything in life until you get more comfortable at talking about it. So, and you're never going to do that unless you take the first step. So, let's try that, and then let us know how you're feeling. 
Yeah. You know, it was. Um, share your experiences with us with the homework. Let us know what meds you're taking. Send us an email at qbdpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us a DM at qbdpod on Instagram and Twitter. You can leave us a voicemail, 971-220-8874. Next month, we're starting a th- series on fear and horror and phobias i almost said homophobia but this podcast is homophobic anyway follow us at qbt pod don't <laughs> forget to subscribe phobic. and share thank you to marquee and shanti darling for letting us use their music big thanks to ali kilts for helping us with editing and producing and just being all around wonderful and thank you to carlos and Kiana for our digital footprint okay let's get the fuck out of here bye bye Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit.